0: Welcome to the Self Care Goddess podcast brought to you by me, Rita Savoya, founder of Savoya Self Care Holistic Wellness. I'm a certified nutritionist and a holistic wellness coach for midlife women who want to rediscover their happier, sexier selves naturally without pills or side effects so that they can thrive as they age. I'm also the creator of the Savoya Self-Care Method, empowering women to nurture heart, mind, and body for transformative results. I'm on a mission. I'm on a mission to help millions of midlife women become their own health heroes. As a woman entrepreneur and a caregiver to aging parents, I fully understand the many responsibilities and generally stressful times women are living through these days often suffering in silence, misunderstood, and putting themselves last. That's why each week I will be here for you, guiding you on your personal wellness journey, sharing expert advice from thought leaders on natural, practical, and simple solutions to help you thrive during the midlife transition. Get ready to listen to inspiring conversations about all things wellness, nutrition, mindset, mental health, fasting, hormones, menstrual cycle awareness and sinking, ancient healing strategies like meditation, mindfulness and breath work and spirituality. Every month I will also be featuring a small to medium-sized business to help spread the word on the amazing work they're doing so we can support them. And now without further ado, let's get ready to rumble. Happy listening! Hello and welcome to another episode of the self-care goddess podcast with today's theme how breath control can change your life so breathing for better mental and emotional health I'm so excited to have Nick here with us but before we start as usual let's walk the talk and let's get into coherence so allowing ourselves to just tune in from our busy day checking out for a little bit and tuning in to how we're feeling. If you feel comfortable, you can even lower your gaze or even close your eyes. And just tuning in to what's going on in our bodies by following the breath, flowing in and out of your body. And if you're noticing any areas of tension maybe stiffness in any part of your body, I invite you to channel the breath into that area. Just allow fresh oxygenated blood to reach that area and feel it loosening up. Breathing deep from the belly, in through the nose and out through the nose. And now I invite you to focus your attention in the area of the heart. So allow the breath to flow in and out of this beautiful organ that's keeping us alive. Where attention goes, energy flows. Let's energize our hearts. And as you continue this heart-focused breathing, I invite you to visualize someone that you're grateful for today. Visualize this person as if they're right here in front of you. And I invite you to send them all the love, the gratitude and the appreciation for them being in your life. And now I invite you to turn the attention onto you and show yourself some gratitude and some love for taking the time out of your busy day to be here with us. And listen to this amazing, insightful podcast. Let's together take a nice deep inhale and slowly let it go. open your eyes and come back to us. Thank you for that, everyone. So today we have Nick Heath, PhD, is a type 1 diabetic researcher and writer. Nick's formal education is in atmospheric science, but he has spent the last 7 plus years studying, teaching, and applying breathing principles in his life and with others. He is a certified oxygen advantage coach, a level 1 pranayama teacher, and a member of the Global Wellness Breathe Initiative. Nick is the center of the creator and the center of the Breathing Diabetic and BreathLearning.com. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I am so excited to talk to a fellow Oxygen Advantage coach and mentor and of course Pranayama too. So I'm so, so excited to have you on this podcast today.
1: Me too. Thank you so much for having me and uh, thank you for leading that that calming breathing. That was thank perfect you. way to start.
0: Yes, yes. I love it. I love it. And no guest has ever complained about it. So yeah, how could it. they, right? <laughs> <laughs> Everyone loves it. So it's a quick coherence technique from the HeartMath Institute. Super, super um, easy to do. And it was literally two minutes and 42 seconds. So
1: Amazing. Right? That's all so, we need.
0: That's all we need. <laughs> exactly. So tell us your story, Nick. Um, why are you doing what you're doing?
1: Sure. Um, I guess with, with the breathing stuff, I started with Wim Hof. That's how... Well, I guess I should step back farther. I'm a type one diabetic. You mentioned that I got diagnosed when I was 11. Mm -hmm. So kind of spent the first part of my life with diabetes, just living life. Uh, You know, I took insulin and took care of myself, but didn't like care too much. And it was probably it was in my mid 20s. I started eating different and like exercising and all these things. I found out, oh, I can actually take control of my blood sugars a little bit better. And that kind of opened my eyes to like, oh, there's a lot of knowledge out there. There's a lot of things I could be doing. And then at some point, Wim Hof came into the picture and his charisma and all that, you know, just the way he talks, it really attracted me. So I started with that. I did that for almost like a year and it was, it was nice, right? It makes you feel good and all that. But I, at some point I, something changed in my life where I was losing energy. I couldn't stay awake. I was like, every afternoon I needed to take a nap. I just felt exhausted. What had happened is I'd become a chronic mouth breather. I didn't realize that though, right? Um, And at some point, Patrick McEwen came into my life through a podcast. And when I heard Patrick, it was actually that day I went out and bought mouth tape, Mm -hmm. slept with my mouth taped. And then the rest is history. I like to say, like, it just changed my life. I had so much energy. I started Mm -hmm. breathing through my nose. I started practicing slower, lighter breathing techniques. I started doing walking breath holds, all the things you start with the oxygen advantage. And like, it just changed my life, my energy levels, everything, but my blood sugars got better over time. And I thought, this is crazy. Like, all I did was change how I breathe, why, you know, what's going on. So that like, being a scientist in the background, you know, I'd been doing all this, uh, you know, I just did research with, with meteorology, atmospheric science and, and things like that. I decided, well, I'm going to start reading papers. I, I, I know how to read papers. I'm going to figure out what's right. going on with my blood sugars. And that's kind of how the breathing diabetic was born because I, I discovered, oh, there's all this research showing these techniques help with stress, with mental health, emotional health, with physiological health. And it, I'm experiencing it in my body, but no one's ever told me this stuff. I need to share it. So I, that's kind of put me on a mission to share this information, uh, read papers, read books, try to digest it and then regurgitate it, so to speak, to to other people and, and help others with diabetes. But really everyone, uh, I've kind of strayed away from diabetes just because I've gotten so obsessed with breathing that I, I get interested in everything now. So uh it's really more like what you the topic of this podcast, right? Like mental and emotional health and yeah. physical health, just, just using the breath to to help people live a better life. So that's kind of the This, I guess, sort of long winded (laughs) answer to how I got here.
0: It's beautiful. It's a beautiful answer. And uh, I actually wanted to ask you more about the diabetic, but we could talk about it now. No problem. How that a little bit of science behind that. And thank you for your story, for sure. And I also started with Wim Hof,
1: believe it or not. And do you do the cold baths as well? I did. Yeah, I was obsessed. I did I the cold baths. The, Me yeah. too.
0: Cold showers yeah. and everything. Yes. And like you, I wanted more um, of the science behind what I was doing. And that's why Patrick McEwen came into my life as well. And Beautiful. I just love, um, and he's super generous, even with the um, all of the information that he's, he provides to all of his um, certified coaches. And it's just mm. great, amazing research like you as well. Um, I call myself a little bit of a science uh, geek and a science nerd. I want to know exactly exactly what's happening with all the molecules Amazing. so tell us and you're right it's true um that i so i have six pillars of self-care that i created when i first started my um my practice and what i found was i actually put breath work as second and now it's like okay so the six pillars are mindset breath work, uh, social connection when everybody was telling us to social distance I was like, no, we need to come together <laughs> it's so funny, um, sleep of course, I'm a holistic nutritionist so metabolic health is very important and, and movement and so now I really do feel that breathing has to come first, it has to come before the mindset because that can help with the mindset right. and Right. because it really does affect as you know, every single cell tissue, organ, muscle in our, in our bodies, right, but can you explain to us a little bit more, maybe just for me too, in terms of the science, how is it helping a diabetic? So first, maybe let's backtrack. Type 1 diabetes, it's a genetic um, mutation, correct? In terms of insulin? As
1: far as we know, right? We think it's mm. genetic. They don't know exactly what triggers it, but it's an autoimmune disease. So my immune system destroyed the the beta cells in my pancreas that create mm-hmm. insulin. So mm-hmm. I can no longer produce any insulin. Um, so yeah. I have to inject or wear an insulin pump.
0: Hmm. Okay. So, how is that? How has breathing helped
1: to control the blood sugar? Oh, so much. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, you know, a lot of it's indirect. So, a mm-hmm. big part of it is just the stress reduction. So, mm-hmm. when you are stressed, you activate the sympathetic fight or flight nervous system. This releases cortisol, increases. You know, your liver might release glucose into the bloodstream. Your insulin sensitivity goes down, and this can raise your blood sugar. It can affect you know, inflammation, all these things. We all know chronic stress is bad, but it's just magnified with type one diabetes because we see it in our blood sugar reading. So mm-hmm. anyone with diabetes, no matter what type, they'll, they'll know the minute they hear, right? If, your blood, if you get stressed, your blood sugars go crazy. And so by having a tool that can lower that baseline stress level significantly, right? With more and more practice, it really helps to even that out. So just the mental relief of nasal, slow, easy, relaxed breathing can be life changing just, just with that part. But there's a lot of things specifically that, if we talk about like slow, controlled breathing around like the six breaths per minute range, that does a lot of neat things for like heart rate variability and our baroreflex sensitivity. And these are all things that are kind of markers of cardiovascular and autonomic health. And people with diabetes tend to have lower rankings of those simply because of our chronic stress and all of these things. Yeah. And so by improving the, the health of the nervous system and of the cardiovascular system, we're, we're helping our diabetes in that case and sort of helping the, maybe, you know, who knows the risk of complications from diabetes. So a big part of diabetic problems is that down the road, we have to deal with issues with our nervous system and issues with our heart and things like that. And so, if we can just do something as simple as breathing, right, that could potentially help mitigate some of that, it can be really useful there. So, the stress, the nervous system, the cardiovascular system, and then it does a lot of other interesting things that like you wouldn't feel in your life, like it lowers oxidative stress. You know, there's now like meta-analyses showing that if you breathe slowly, reduce that your burden of oxidative stress so we know that's very harmful and and people with diabetes tend to have higher levels of that of course right it's like it's kind of depressing when i do this research because i'm like man i'm uh i'm i'm pretty bad off here but uh (laughs) it's, it's humbling let's say so Uh, So that's another one is the oxidative stress and then inflammation. Like when you activate the vagus nerve Mm -hmm. through these slow, deep breathing techniques, you activate that calming parasympathetic response. It's been shown to perhaps lower inflammation in, in some cases. And so people with diabetes, when you have an autoimmune disease, you usually have chronic levels of increased inflammation or excess inflammation, I should say. And if we can do anything again, if you're, if you're lowering that a little bit, it's going to be really beneficial. So that's kind of like there's the blood pressure aspect, better sleep is obviously going to be super key, but those are like physio physiological, but I want to get back to the mental one real quick. Cause like the the agency it gives you, like Mm -hmm. when you feel, when you find a tool you can control to change your state and you feel better. It just gives you like this kind of sense of confidence, like, oh, I have more, con- like, I can do things for my health. I can do this. Maybe it won't fix all my problems. It's not going to heal me of any, you know, of, uh, permanently, but it gives me a sense of like, I have some agency in my life. And I think that's the biggest part of breathing practices is like, you learn, oh, I just sit here like we just did for two minutes and 42 seconds. And I'm nervous before a podcast, right? It doesn't matter how long you've been doing it. You get a little anxious and it still helped me calm down and it still helped me tune into my heart and thinking of someone I love, right? You know, right in front of me, it's like these simple things you realize, oh, I have a lot of control in my life. Um, When my blood sugars go up and down, when things just don't go the way I hope, I have something I can come back to, to help me get through that and to help me realize that it's not permanent that i can just accept it and make the best choice from here on out these mindset things you talked about is now your second pillar right uh and so so yeah there's there's i could yeah i I talked a lot there but
0: no i love it no no please continue continue i do i came across this quote and i I just love it that when you can control your breath no one could take away your peace And I don't remember who's written it, but it just really stuck with me throughout uh, all of this research that I've been doing on on breathing and the effects of breathing. It's just like you said, you have this tool available to you to calm yourself down. And I love how um, I think it's Huberman that uses online, like on the spot breathing techniques that can help with stress with anxiety and then offline tools that we do sort of on a regular day to help Mm -hmm. us build that resilience just like Mm. um maybe hormetic stress or even you know tapping into the parasympathetic not necessarily the sympathetic nervous system so i do love that having that tool what do you think in in your opinion because i mean if you watch babies breathe they're breathing perfectly normal. That's how we should be breathing. Their bellies are rising on the inhale and then falling on the exhale. And it's just their mouth breathers. Most of them, uh, sorry, uh, nose breathers. Most yeah. of them. What do you think happens to us in terms of how do we like really screw up our breathing patterns as we age, as we get older?
1: I'm not sure. right? There's a lot of factors. Yeah. Um, obviously just our modern environment, sitting more, yeah. uh, not as active, you know, there's that incredible book, um, Jaws, like the hidden epidemic or something that yeah. talks about just the shape of our face from chewing soft right. foods versus more, you know, all these different things. So I think there's like a variety of factors. The one that seems most obvious to me is just like our lifestyle now. Like, I mean, I love sitting and looking at a computer and playing on my phone just as much as the next person. But I also recognize when I'm hunched over. Yeah. you know, looking at these things, I'm not expanding my chest, my lungs aren't filling as much, my breathing is way shallower and, and less complete. And then when you're just like kind of sedentary, a lot of time, we don't have to move as often as we probably did. And you know, as in our in our past, so it makes it easy to kind of like develop these poor breathing habits that you live, right? It doesn't stop you, you're you're breathing. So you're alive. So it seems okay, but it's just not optimal. And I think there's, you know, probably it comes down to like the foods we're eating, chewing and all this, and then our chronic levels of stress and just like our modern way we live just kind of takes away that beautiful programming we have from from childhood right it's so
0: true it's so true do you get do you often get pushback from your clients because breathing is so simple and it's so easy that they're like oh that's it that's all there is to it and I do do you get that sort of pushback in terms not
1: let's see not too much I'll be you know when people find me it's usually cuz they've gone down the rabbit hole so they're usually pretty convinced okay. um of themselves so but you know I'm on Instagram all the time posting things and stuff so there mm-hmm. you see you know you get a little bit more um you know fresh takes from other people's perspective and and it's a good reminder of like oh you know you have to frame this stuff correctly and mm-hmm. make sure people understand that yeah it is just breathing right but it's also mm-hmm. Breathing, it is literally life. Like it is the most important function of our body. So if you when you I mean it's hard to convey that to people, but once you get that, once that seeds in their head and they start to realize like, oh, if I didn't breathe, nothing else in my body would work. So maybe the way I breathe does affect how my heart works, or maybe the way I breathe does affect the blood flows in my toe, or what you know, or blood flow into my toes. Because it seems kind of far-fetched, but then when you take away breathing, you see everything stops, mm-hmm. then it's like, oh, maybe mm-hmm. there is something to this, right? So I think, yeah, I get a little bit here and there, but most of the time when people find me, they're, they're so deep in the rabbit hole that it's more uh, two nerds talking to each other, which is <laughs> kind of fun.
0: Yeah, exactly. That's so true. That's so true. You're right. You're right. Um, so I, I do love James Nestor's title of his book that it's really a lost art, right? There's mm. so much science behind it and it's, and it's a lost art. So where do you see, like my dream for breathing is to have as many breathwork work um, studios as there are yoga studios because it's mm. definitely making a comeback. Right. right. Breath work and breathing. So where do you see like the future of breathing or the future of breath work? What what's sort of what's your vision?
1: Oh, that's beautiful. I I'm not sure. Right. I uh, I hope with like what you just said, like breathing studios, as much as there are yoga studios. I, you know, so I love that idea. That sounds fair. I'm on board with your vision now. <laughs> Let's do great, it. Yeah. Great one, <laughs> And I just hope that, yeah, I hope it becomes, yeah, I kind of like the yoga analogy or meditation analogy. Like, Mm -hmm. I just hope it's recognized in the future as... Oh yeah, of course. Like if you tell someone in, at the grocery store, oh yeah, I I began meditation for my mental health. They wouldn't be like, what? They would just say, oh great. You know, everyone now knows meditation work. So they know if you said, oh, I started doing yoga for my, for my health, they would say, oh great. That's awesome. Like I should be doing that. That's what you always hear. Oh, I wish I could find it, you know? And so I hope breath work has that same feel to it in the coming years. Um,
0: Yeah, And I think
1: science is a big part of that, right? We have lots of science coming out on it Mm -hmm. and there's more respectable journals publishing it. So as long as the science stays right, we don't need the science, right? There's been millennia of of Mm -hmm. practice. We know it works, but it's nice to see modern science, like show us how it's working so we can explain it in ways that people resonate with rather than just say, just do it and it works Mm because it does, right? But it's also nice to have the words like, heart rate variability and bore effect and oxygen delivery versus oxygen transport and all these different things that help drive why it works home so that, you know, it's kind of like just, you know, back in the ancient days, they had all their ways of describing it in, in our modern world. We need science to explain things. And so it's really great to see science catching up or taking it seriously, I should say, and actually oh, investigating God. it with really rigorous trials now and showing this stuff does work. So it's really cool.
0: Yes. And it's funny because when you write breathwork in a, a word doc, it still gives you the squiggly line that is yeah, not a word. Right. So I'm waiting for that word to just be a word, right? And it's- It is in
1: Merriam-Webster online. Oh, is
0: it? Okay. I'll, I'll check that out. Yeah. All right. All right. That's cool. Because when I started uh, doing breathwork, people would actually say, what? Breathwork? What, what are you doing? So then I changed it, Nick, I changed it to breathing and then people are like, Oh, yeah. what, what sort of animals are you breeding? I'm like, Oh, no, <laughs> it's yeah. So it's still not making mainstream where I'm from. So
1: I'm, struggle I'm, is real. Yes. yes.
0: But something to obviously laugh about um, in the coming years, because I for sure, like you, I do believe that people are going to be a lot more Um, open to it as well and and it's you know as Patrick McEwen says too it's a lot easier than meditation because you're actually doing something so your mind is still kind of doing something because it's 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 difficult for most people to just sort of sit still because we're so used to all of this distraction happening all the time so um, let's geek out a little bit here because of course you read a lot of research and so why what was the most sort of a shocking or pleasantly shocking when you were looking into how um, breathing affects like certain parts of uh, of our bodies and our systems. What was sort of the wow? This is so cool! This is amazing! And you're like telling everybody, and they're like, "Oh, really? That's okay, Rita. Cool." <laughs> well, oh, there's
1: so, know, there's so many. I know, I anyway. know. So let's
0: geek out a little bit here. All right, all right.
1: Well, let's say let's start with the nose because that's always mm-hmm. the most fascinating. And it was it was one study. Gosh, it was 1996, and there was like seven people in it. It was really small, but they had people breathe either in through their nose and then out through their mouth or in through their mouth and out through their nose. And they did this without any pacing, just, hey, breathe like this or breathe like this for five minutes. And they measured their tissue oxygenation, so the actual amount of oxygen getting into the cells and the tissues. And it turned out that... The nasal breathing group had about 10% more oxygen delivery than the mouth breathing group. And that just blew my mind. I was like, wow. literally, just changing from mouth to nose wow. increases. Not just the oxygen in your blood, but the oxygen getting to your tissues. And they explained it through nitric oxide, which is a, mm. another thing you can nerd out on. Uh, My favorite sure.
0: molecule. Right. Everyone, <laughs>
1: everyone in the breathing community. Right. So they yeah. basically said uh, when you, you know, when you breathe in through your nose, you're bringing nitric oxide into the lungs. Mm. This is going to allow better uh, oxygen uptake. What's still interesting though, right, is that this was in the tissues downstream. So it's still not exactly 100% clear how that translated to more oxygen into the tissues other than if you have more oxygen in your blood, there's, it's easier for the diffusion to happen into the tissues, but, uh, but really neat. So that was one that was like, I'd always bring that up in any presentation or talk. You know, I like to mm. just because for, for people with diabetes, like tissue hypoxia, so not enough oxygen at the cellular level. Mm. is a huge driving force of complications. And that's really, I think most chronic diseases have some component of tissue hypoxia. So it's not going to fix it 100%, but if just breathing through your nose can maybe make any impact, it's free, mm-hmm. nothing, you know, and it's going to make mm-hmm. you feel better, all this stuff. So so that's one that like you have to talk about all the time is the the nasal breathing. Yeah. Um, the The other, let's see, the shocking, there's one, I guess... It's not physiological, but I think it's really neat. Is the, the breathing and emotions link yeah. that? Th- so there was a really fascinating study. It was two thousand and two, and what they did is they took a group of people and they said, "Okay, try to elicit some feelings of like joy, of happiness, and change your breathing to do it. Just like breathe however you need to, and once you get that feeling in your head and you feel it." Tell us everything you can about how you were breathing. And they said, so they did like joy, anger, and a couple others. And they, so they had this huge, like, basically all of the participants did similar things with their breathing to get to the emotional state. Mm-hmm. So they had this like list of basically like, okay, to elicit joy, it seems like you need a breath that is nasal, a little slower, and a little deeper. Uh, to elicit something like anger, you need a slightly rapid breathing, uh, you know, more upper chest, sometimes through the mouth. So they had these, like, characteristics. Then they took a completely separate group of people, had no clue what was going on. And they said, hey, we want you to breathe like this. And they just told them to breathe like this. They said, oh, it's a it's a study for cardiovascular health or something. So just just breathe like this, and then we're going to so, – they did that. And then sure enough, the people, they had them fill out. They said, oh, well, you also fill out these questionnaires. They're just kind of side things, but let us know. And it turned out that the way they told people to breathe could elicit an emotion they told them, basically like without them even knowing. Wow. So if they prescribed the joy breathing, they said, okay, hey, we want you to breathe nasally, a little slower, a little deeper. The people then on an independent questionnaire said, oh, we feel more happy, more joyous. and they, And so basically it was like, this mind blowing revelation that of course, if you feel stressed, your breathing reacts, if you feel happy, your breathing reacts, all these things. But now we have this tool. We can breathe. We can say, just breathe like this and you will feel like this. Yeah. Uh, and that's mind blowing. Like that is literally the coolest thing ever because it's really hard to think your way out of the emotions. Like if you feel stressed or you feel like when emotions take over, it's like, Telling yourself to calm down doesn't work. Right. Telling yourself you shouldn't be upset because it's not that big of a deal. That doesn't work in a real human who has emotions. Of course, you know, no matter how little or big the problem is, like if it's meaningful to you, it'll elicit an emotion. But now you have a tool that like just physically change your breathing. Don't worry about how you feel. Just do it and it'll make you feel different. And that's pretty crazy.
0: I love that. That is amazing. And and, and to think that we're so unique, right? Humans are just so unique, but the same set of breathing patterns will elicit that, the the same emotion. So that's really, really fascinating.
1: Yeah, crazy. I mean, I'm sure, and you know, there's always outliers. So like, I try to be very like, oh, you know, if it doesn't work for you, that's okay. Like, there's probably another way you can do it. But yeah, yeah really neat, smart. right? To show these kind of like commonalities in our physiologies. It's amazing. Because
0: mm-hmm. they, they work um, hand in hand, right? The breath and the emotion. Exactly. The emotions control the breath and the, tr- can, can, well, maybe not control, but can change, right? Can Influence, yeah, exactly. Influence the, the, the pattern in terms of breathing pattern can influence your emotion and vice versa. Mm-hmm. So it's just such a beautiful tool as, as we, we keep talking about it, especially mm-hmm. like imagine learning this as a child, Right? right this is where I'm like parents if you're listening and you still have you know control over your child's development please please um instill some of, which by the way they are introducing it in schools so I'm really mm. really happy about that um and I, and I just can conti- hope that it continues throughout um the scholastic years but um what I love um about is introducing these things to like everybody imagine having a meeting and doing a breath work, like a quick coherence technique before the meeting in like corporates on a corp in a corporate setting and just anything like you know in the restaurants restaurants are super busy all the time it's just such a hectic imagine starting a uh, the your shift with a breath work technique as mm-hmm. as a company like that's that's my dream is just to get this out to as many people as possible. And this is why I offer free classes and I'm just like, yeah, you got to try my breathwork class. And the more people, the merrier. I'm actually curious, is there a specific, um, I guess, mm, group of people or maybe perhaps a breathing, um, like technique that you used for someone like that was kind of a little bit bizarre, but you said, Hey, why not? Cause I, I I'll tell you mine. I actually helped um, a couple in the bedroom with the breathing mm-hmm. techniques. All <laughs> so right. Yeah. And uh, of course it's uh, right out of the chapter from Patrick McEwen's book, the breathing cure. Um, but yeah, I was just wondering, I'm curious, is there a breathing technique or that was sort of, out there maybe not out there, but maybe different um, versus like the anxiety and the stress relief that you can use breathing for.
1: Can't think of anything offhand. I'm sorry, I don't have a, a funny okay. answer, a juicy no, answer here, but- That's uh, okay,
0: that's okay. But I'm thinking even with animals, do you think that can work with pets?
1: Oh, that's it. You know, I th- maybe not like change their breathing, but I have heard that if you breathe calmly around an animal, like a dog, they, they sense that calmness, right? It helps mellow them out. It's not that it necessarily changes their breathing, but they can feel your nervous system change, right? They can sense that it's like, gosh, a dog knows the minute you're yeah. anxious around it. Like if you get scared or I mean, yeah. your dog reacts. I have my dogs out there right now waiting on me and she, she knows anytime. And so if I, if if you are calm, the dog reacts calmly. I've heard of things like that, which is really neat, but Yeah, yeah, it's it's really. But you
0: can do that with children too, right? They can sense that nervous system regulation. I'm a dad,
1: and it's so hard. Like, it's so like you're like, oh, they are like a reflection of you, right? And so, Mm. anytime I'm not living my principles, like when I'm a little flustered or whatever it is, I can see she can feel that. My daughter can feel that, and it's like it's such a cool reminder of like you have this enormous amount of presence that you don't even know exists without words or anything that she can just sense mm-hmm. that children can sense in you And it's a really powerful like mirror so to speak of like what state you're in and things cuz gosh there's been times when i'm like stressed over a work thing or something you know and i yeah, and i can tell she feels it and it's just like mm-hmm. even when she was a l- little baby like before mm-hmm. i mean just crying and so like sh- i could tell she could sen- i could just feel it and I thought man this is really important to to be mindful of and change how I act you know or use some of the breathing before I see her so I'm a little calmer and things like that so so yeah really important so it's true to walk the talk
0: Um, have you what are your thoughts on mouth taping children because I I have seen some of my friends kids and you know there's their kids are sleeping with their mouth open I, I and I have suggested it but of course I'm not the parent but what are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very open to letting the parent choose. Right. Um, so my daughter, I've never tried to force her to mouth tape or I, you know, I brought it up like you want to try and she says, no, no, that's scary. So I'm like, okay, that's no big deal. Uh, so I understand from a parent's perspective, it could be challenging, but I definitely think if the kid is open to it, it can't i mean at least use the myotape you know that patrick invented that Mm -hmm. goes around the mouth so it's not actually covering the lips just kind of giving them that push Mm -hmm. um it seems like it would be really so helpful to to it to any Mm -hmm. kid's development if they are chronic mouth breathers if if they're you know breathing through their mouths at night but um i've never i've never had to dive into that yet so we'll see we'll see Mm
0: -hmm. yeah keep us posted for sure how old is your
1: daughter She's four. Oh, okay yeah still yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but
0: Very. if she is is she mouth breathing or no
1: so when we play sometimes mm-hmm. and i notice it and i'll always you know i try to just lead by example i I don't, I don't talk about it all the time i just keep my mouth shut try to show her this is how you breathe mm-hmm. um but i'll mention it like i'll say oh you know your breathing is a superpower if you do this you'll feel so calm. And if you're ever angry, you can do that. And no one has to know. So like, I try to make it fun in that way. But um, at night, whenever I see her, she's usually got her mouth closed. And I'm always like, yes, (laughs)
0: <laughs>
1: I don't know how much influence I actually had on that, but I'm like, okay, awesome.
0: That's awesome. Yes. Yeah. Let's go back to um, emotional health and, and mental health. As we know, post COVID, a lot of people have been suffering and maybe a lot of people are more open to it as well, to declaring it or, or just sharing their, their concerns for their mental health. What are some of your favorite breathing techniques um, for emotional
1: and mental health? Well, there's lots. No, there's really like two. There's probably <laughs> two that I would actually really be like uh, an advocate for. One of them would probably be a surprise to most people, but it's it's just laughter. Like I consider that a breathing wow. exercise.
0: Really? And okay. Uh,
1: you know that's your diaphragm's moving up and down. You're you're breathing funny, you know, but laughing is like one of the best things we can do. I've tried my hardest over the past few years to really Like, I've always been a person who enjoys a funny joke or whatever, but like really structured into my day of like, I got to laugh a lot because it's so good for your health. It really is free medicine. Uh, And when I framed it as a breathing exercise, I thought, ah, now I have an excuse to do it even more. So, (laughs) so laughter, but, but from like an actual technique, uh, slow breathing, seems to be the most beneficial from all the research and from personal experience. Breathing, you know, really any controlled nasal diaphragmatic breathing is going to be beneficial, but it seems extra beneficial if you're, you know, around the six breaths a minute range. Maybe it's like between like four and seven breaths a minute. There's like a big range, but if you get into that sweet spot with some slow breathing, um, you know, maybe a slightly longer exhale than inhale Mm -hmm. seems to do wonders for stress levels and mental health um and so that's that's what i actually recommend to people you know i tell them to laugh but you know that's that's just like a kind of a a joke and, and and a good reminder to laugh a lot but um but the actual technique would be you know like four seconds in six seconds out or maybe a four second in a two second hold and a seven second out or you know you find a comfortable pace for you there's no perfect answer there um and, and really focus on that parasympathetic response, slowing things down, reducing stress, and then calming your nervous system. And that seems to do wonders for stress levels, for well-being, and all these different things that promote better mental health
0: hmm. Especially what we talked about earlier with the HRV as well, vagus mm-hmm. nerve affecting that. Well, funny you say laughter, because um, what I'm committed to in 2024, is that if I am going to watch some TV before going to bed, it's going to be a comedian, like I just mm-hmm. want to, you know, laugh my way mm-hmm. to bed and just that lowers cortisol as well to yes. laughter. Yes. So I like that. I like that. And, but what are your thoughts on, um, because laughing, obviously you're engaging more of the mouth and maybe this is because I'm coming from Patrick McEwen, (laughs) a student from Patrick McEwen where mouth breathing is a no, no, right. Right. Uh, Except for some sort of exercises where you're doing it for a short period of time. So, but laughter obviously engages mouth. So what are your thoughts on using mouth breathing for certain aspects, maybe of your breathing techniques or your breathing protocol?
1: Yeah, that's one thing I've uh, grown more on. Like, I was a big no-no on anything mouth, right, when I first learned. Because when you read the science of the nose, you think, oh, it's perfect. But yeah, like, laughter and singing are two exceptions Mm -hmm. that I don't think you could do enough of, right? Like, people who sing songs they love out loud. Of course, like we know that I can't do that. I'm so self-conscious and introverted. Like I'm not going to be out in public singing in front of people, but if I, if I had the courage to do that, you know, it would be a life changer. I'm sure because, you know, singing and laughing, mm. I think get free passes on mouth breathing because mm. they have so many other benefits Yeah, that it probably outweighs any negative effect of the mouth. Um, mm. So those are the two I, I think I'm a fan of. And then like you mentioned, like with laughter, we know it lowers cortisol. Yeah. We know it like, yeah, it raises your heart rate while you're doing it, but in a good way. So maybe it's like a slight uh, hormetic stressor during that's gonna make you even more chill afterward. It's optimizing like oxygen exchange is actually helping your your respiratory system and all these different things that laughter does. So, yeah. uh, so I think they get passes on the mouth for those ones. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's my take. Uh, there's probably another one I'm missing, but like singing and laughter seem to be like no brainers. If, yeah. if you can do it and you enjoy it, don't worry about the mouth.
0: I love this, right? And it's just so simple, these simple things. And if you again, watch our children, that's what they do, right? They're singing, yeah. they're laughing
1: and- Sing, oh yeah.
0: Literally watch our children and do as they do. Never mind right. them watching us and doing what we do. <laughs> Keeping it really, really simple. So talk to us a little bit more the science of breath holds. So um, as you mentioned, so the 478 is a very popular one right before sleep. And usually though, like you people would think breath holds are a little bit more stimulating, right? But at the same time, are they more relaxing? Like what's going on during a breath hold? And why should we be incorporating these into our breathing protocols?
1: Yeah, there's so there's lots of things going on. Um, let's think it, it depends on the level of the breath hold. So you mentioned the 478. So that's a really good one to, to kind of look at. But a lot of times when people think breath holds, they think holding their breath as long as they can. And that's a different set of the kind of physiology that gets implied. And then there's the difference between holding after an inhale versus yes. holding after an exhale. Yes, so that's right. let's look at like the 478 because that's a, that's a really good one. So and this is something I recently learned um, and it, it kind of contradicted everything I knew about breathing, and it's, it, but it's fascinating. So there's receptors in your lungs that monitor if your if lungs are expanding or if they're shrinking. And when, it ex- when your lungs expand, these receptors have to say, hey, your lungs are getting bigger. You need to, s- to stop inhaling, right? So what they do is they send signals of calm to the, you know, they use the parasympathetic wow. nervous system. To to stop you from inhaling, so that so basically the inhale triggers a parasympathetic response, which is accompanied by an exhale. Mm. Um, so that's kind of a lot nerd talk for like if you hold your breath after an inhale. So if you inhale comfortably. And then pause, you're actually accentuating the parasympathetic response. It's actually sending all these signals of parasympathetic, parasympathetic, mm. and that is calming. So, anytime you see a calming breath, you'll see like the 478, the 446. Mm-hmm. They have a slight inhale after the hold, not too long because there's limits to everything, but it holds and it accentuates. That parasympathetic response, and then it still has the longer exhale to, to keep that going. Um, and so, basically, doing a pause at the top of your inhale, even if it's just a couple seconds or maybe five seconds, seven seconds, like the like the four, seven, eight, and then a slightly slow, re, you know, controlled exhale can be really beneficial for calming your nervous system, which is um, counter to everything I thought I knew about breathing. Whereas when you hold after an exhale, it's very stimulating. It's like, it's stressful because your lungs are empty. So that's telling your body, you need to breathe, right? If your lungs are empty, it's saying we need oxygen. So it's sending signals of stress. Plus your carbon dioxide is building up and that's going to say, hey, you need to take a breath. And so there's, there's like two sides of the coin. So if you hold after an exhale, it can be more stimulating. It depends on the length. You know, two seconds isn't going to be a big deal, five, four seconds. But like if you hold for a long time on an exhale, it's going to be much more stimulating. Right. And then if you do, you know, a, a short hold after the inhale, it's going to be very relaxing. And then both of these have limits. You know, there's always right. limits with breath holds. Once you get too far, if you inhale, hold your breath, eventually it's going to be really hard and it's going to be super stressful so that's uh it, there's, there's limits but so so that, that's a little bit of the the physiology of what's going on with the more the short pauses and things
0: mm-hmm. and i love that because it is easier to hold your breath on the inhale
1: right, right. yeah because it's more relaxing right it's, yes. everything about it is is actually conducive to a pause like you have your your lungs are full carbon dioxide feels lower because you just diluted it with the inhale and so everything kind of just like is at a perfect place to pause for a second mm. and then relax slowly on the exhale. And that's why most calming breath holds happen after. An inhale. And inhale. The four four yes. six, four, seven, eight are the two biggest ones.
0: Yes, yes, that's right. And even on the exhales, you know, as a breath work facilitator, instructor, educator, I, I'm still not at the bolt score, which is a body oxygen level test from the Patrick McEwen, that I'd love to be um just because it's that it's stimulating, right? So maybe mm-hmm. I'm not in the right um state of mind um in terms of the exhales and holding the breath on the exhale, but that's okay. I'm that's something Something that I'm inspiring to to get better at. Um, but I also do you feel there is a difference in lung capacity from human to human. Um, because I have some some of my colleagues that can just hold their breath on the exhale for like way longer than a minute. And I'm like, how are you doing that?
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, there's definitely mm. well, there's the lung capacity, right? There's the the chemoreceptor sensitivity. Mm. There's lots of things at play. So uh, so yeah, you, you, every person's going to be way different. And then just your current state of stress has such a yeah. profound impact on your breath hold. Your the night before, like when I was really into the oxygen and breath holds every single morning and I got like crazy with it. It's like, I knew how well I slept based on how long I could hold my breath. Like mm-hmm. it, it, it's so entwined. Your, the breath hold is so entwined with your whole being that like it's a really, that's why Patrick loves it, right? It's a good marker of not just your breathing, but of your mind state of everything. Um, And so, yeah, definitely. I think there's a huge variation person to person, lung capacity, nervous system state, stress levels, sleep levels, all these different things can be kind of like indexed with the breath, which is really neat. Mm -hmm.
0: So from your experience, what are, what's sort of the common mistakes that people are doing when it comes to their breathing?
1: Oh, let's see. Well, so the biggest one to me is thinking there's only one way, like that there's only one approach or one method. If you're into breathing, like if, like if you come to, you know, uh, a podcast, you you're really fascinated in breathing. What normally happens with us is we find one method, right? And we think this is the answer and we get super attached like you and I did to oxygen advantage. And, uh, and it's really powerful. It's actually, it's almost necessary because you need something to gravitate toward. You need something to be inspired by. But like remembering that if that doesn't work for you, if something we're saying that you try it and it doesn't work, that's okay too. Like there's probably a different method that's more suitable for your current nervous system state where you've been in life, the things you've gone through that I could never understand as a breath coach and just tell you to breathe at four seconds in, six seconds out, you know? And so being like very mindful that like breath is life, no matter what, who you are, the way you breathe will impact you. And it's finding what works for you. That's most important because these techniques, they're all about becoming your best self, like just being more you. So like finding it uh, some way that works for you, um, rather than, thinking one technique has all the answers if that makes sense but like the biggest mistake though getting back to the original question is mouth breathing right breathing through the mouth too much but like so just common things like breathing through the mouth too much thinking that we need more air and big breaths and stuff like that when usually we don't so those are like the common mistakes but If you're, yeah, so so I'll I'll stop there.
0: (laughs) And let's go to mouth breathing because it has such detrimental effects. What was the most shocking one for you when you were doing the research?
1: I, you know, the big one, and I don't even fully understand it though, is the facial development like that. Mm -hmm. When you just see the pictures and you read about it, like, I don't know exactly the science, but like how... it changed. Our face is wild. And it's really fascinating. Um,
0: And the crowding of the teeth. Yeah. The crowding of
1: the chin
0: caving in. It's crazy, right? Because
1: you would think, oh, it's a, it's a, you're, you're utilizing more space. Like it's probably more efficient, but like, it turns Mm -hmm. out it's just like backwards of everything you think it's like, Mm -hmm. it's less efficient. It's, you know, you don't get as much oxygen. You don't, you know, it's not calming There's, at all. Exactly.
0: Yeah. There's atrophy too happening because we're not using it. So we lose it. And like that was, that was a shocker for me too. Yeah. And yeah. the protein for me, the protein synthesis, like
1: all of Tell me about this. I've never heard this one.
0: <laughs> so, um, well, I, I guess it's irregular breathing in general or dysfunctional breathing just in terms of protein. Well, it, because breathing affects the pH, right? Mm-hmm. balance in your in your body so that affects protein uh performance as well
1: okay so
0: the enzymes yes the enzymes are not working as properly because the ph is off in the body be- due to your due to your breathing pattern so and most of it is affected by mouth breathing so i was just like shocked when i was reading and also too the um the other thing that um shocked me was the diuretic effect that mouth breathing has so Mm. many of us are getting up you know in the middle of the night to go pee and it's because maybe they think that they drank something too close to bedtime but it's not that it's actually the mouth breathing acts as a diuretic so it wakes you up to go to the washroom so incredible things when i told this one of my clients she started mouth taping and she stopped getting up in the middle of the night to go amazing
1: Yeah, amazing.
0: So all these little tweaks that you can do to help, um, because again, sleep is another one of those things that's so related to your breathing. And it affects, it goes both ways, just like that emotional health we were talking about before. So she did that and she's having amazing sleep now. It's like, yay.
1: The simplest things, right?
0: Exactly. But going back to your, um, what you said about, that everyone could sort of tweak their their breathing technique. And I love that because I'll teach a breathing technique to someone and they're like, well, I actually tried it this way. And I'm like, great. And it worked for you? She's like, yeah, it did. I'm like, great. That's amazing. So that's what I love about breathing as well. Once you get the foundational um, stuff from it or the foundational concepts, then you kind of like free all free all for for you to sort of create your own breathing technique breathing protocol breathing so i really do like that so when people ask me what's your favorite breathing technique for so-and-so and And i say it's this however i've seen people do it this way and that way and it still works for them right
1: so it's and people need a structure right they need some starting point like you can't just say oh it's just do whatever you want you'll be fine like of course (laughs) that's great but like people I love structure (laughs) yeah use your intuition like you do need structure and it is really great to use science to guide it like to have a whole bunch of studies showing like okay for most people this generally works of course you're you're you right you're not most people none Mm -hmm. of us are Mm -hmm. the average of it you know there's a quote it's uh Ellen Langer she says none of us are us and Mm I love that Mm -hmm. like we we look at averages all the time but none of us are the average. We're all a little different. And then we see the average in a science paper and we think, oh, that's the, the best number. Yeah, but in it's any case, that's a little uh, yeah, a little tangent. But but yeah, so it's really nice to use science to guide it and then find what works for you. Right. And it's beautiful. Yeah, it's beautiful.
0: So um, going back to your favorite technique, what's your favorite technique for anxiety?
1: Oh, definitely, laughter. <laughs> definitely <laughs> laughter and then, uh, I love it. and then the I love slow it. breathing. So, yeah. It's kind of funny because uh, yeah, it'll probably be a lot of the same stuff. Like for most people, anxiety, stress, it would be slow breathing with a slightly longer exhale. And if they like the pause at the top, I would bring that in, but mm-hmm. I would start with just like a four seconds in six seconds out mm-hmm. as like the baseline, see how that feels and then tweak from there.
0: Mm -hmm. do you usually play music with it as well or kind of it's usually like a
1: a a calm tone so it's like a piano Mm -hmm. uh that guides the inhale and exhale um -hmm. but not actually what i suggest people do sometimes is listen to nature sounds in the background Mm -hmm. um there's a uh, an incredible book blue mind by wallace nichols and it's about like the effects of ocean on our on our brain and, and how powerful it is for our health. And then like it kind of brings in like nature in general, being by a creek, by water, and all these different things. And and there was one, there was a study he mentioned about uh, someone who, you know, just played the sound of ocean waves for someone and it calmed them down and, and lowered their stress levels. And I thought well, if I did that with my slow breathing, <laughs> here we go. So I started using like the nature sounds on one of the apps I use and it's real calming. It's just, so yeah, the tones plus maybe some nature or whatever waves, rainfall, anything I, you know, it seems like this is pretty well established now that I didn't know about it, but it's like, oh, it's free. Just put it in your headphones and, and it yeah. can help you relax more. So that's another tool.
0: Exactly, I like that. I love that, um, and that's why I love going for walks, nature walks, and incorporating my breathing. And sometimes I I don't. <laughs> sometimes I just go for the nature walk. Right? And just yeah. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. Leave my phone and not do anything yeah. and just kind of stare into into whatever is uh, in front of me. So, tell us what is the most common advice that you tend to give your clients?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. I I don't know. So I I actually don't work with tons of people. I don't have much time, but the the thing i probably share the most with with my newsletter and in online is kind of like sort of what we talked about earlier is like there's no one approach like there's mm-hmm. there's tons of approaches here is like some examples but like it's usually more that like you know you're doing awesome like given your life circumstances giving every like a lot of people feel like they're not good enough or they're too stressed or that's like no you're probably exactly as stressed as you need to be with your life and everything that's happened to you to this point but we can help lower it like here's some tools and things so it's kind of like conveying us like a like you're doing great and and if if this doesn't work try something else like there's no perfect approach uh yeah. i don't know exactly what's going to work right for you so we're gonna we're in this together right we're gonna find mm-hmm. what works here's one method, here's another one, uh, until you're happy. So that's that's probably one thing. I, I, yeah, I don't know how to summarize that in a more succinct statement, but, uh, <laughs> okay, but that's the it. gist of it. Let's say that's the gist of it.
0: I love it. Do you think actually, just to follow up to this question, that people, if they kind of do the same protocol all the time, the body gets used to it and it doesn't have the same effect? Or do you think it's still effective to kind of do the same thing? <laughs>
1: That's such a good question. I think about this all the time actually. So, I'm glad you asked. Um I I don't have a perfect answer, so I think there's a definitely our physiology, our our bodies are wired for novelty. We love novelty. Yeah. I mean, I'm always seeking a new book or a new this and it's like and I and I observe myself and I'm like should I not? Or is that okay? Like, I'm not sure. Like, it, it doesn't mm-hmm. seem to cause me any harm to read extra books. But it's just interesting, like, how we seek novelty. So, so my the theory I've come up with is that there's kind of like three things you can do, you can either cycle new breathing. So like, maybe every 30 days, try a different technique,
0: right? Um,
1: to keep that novelty. But, but the consistency of the breathing stays constant. So you're still doing a breathing technique, but you switch up what you're doing. Maybe you add loving kindness, sort of like what we did at the beginning, right. uh, into your breathing. Or you add a, a mindfulness or, or some sort of extra mental chatter or um, I shouldn't say chatter, some visualization. Anything you want to kind of give it novelty. Another one is to, instead of changing your technique, do the exact same thing, but cultivate mindfulness like Mm. really experience each time you do it each breath being a new breath um Mm -hmm. and allow the mindfulness to bring novelty so you know there's people who meditate for an hour two hours sometimes 10 hours a day just observing their breath and that never gets old right so Mm -hmm. we can always just bring mindfulness Or the third one I've thought of is to bring gratitude. Like Mm -hmm. some mornings I'm just grateful I get to do it. And that makes Mm -hmm. the same old boring technique I've always done super fun because I'm just like, I'm so lucky to get to do this breathing technique. Maybe it's something going on in my life. And I realize, or you're someone, you know, passes away. Like there's Mm -hmm. so many things that make you realize like, oh my God, I'm very lucky just to be sitting here breathing. Like, and so either do, it, you know, you switch it up. Do mindfulness or do gratitude or do all three and find what works for you to keep it, keep it fresh.
0: Oh, that's beautiful. Well, I'm, I am so happy that I asked that question because I'm going to incorporate that for sure. Really, really cool. Um, So in terms of bringing in the, this breathing and let's say there's, you know, some, some of the listeners or viewers are like, all right. I got to start. Uh, I, I, I get it. The science is amazing. It's compelling. And I want to change, obviously, you know, it's the new year. What is mm-hmm. your best advice for how can people incorporate this into their daily routine? Cause I'm all about, you know, I've read James clear atomic habits, habit stacking, you're already doing something like stack That's it on top and so that it doesn't feel like it's an extra thing to do because we seem to be running out of time. We're just super busy with life. What are some ways that we can incorporate this? So some of your
1: tips. Beautiful. Um, so you hit on what I was going to, a few things, right? One is the James clear, like identity, like, making it part of who you are like he he, you know he says become a runner i'm a person who goes for a run regardless of how far it is maybe it's only for 10 minutes today but i always run because i'm a runner and being like i do these practices because i am someone who wants to be calmer because i'm someone who takes care of my body and my mind and so creating an identity around doing these practices can be really powerful Mm -hmm. um so that's one uh You mentioned the other one. So like the habit stacking or what BJ Fogg calls like the action prompt, where instead of tying it to like a time of day, like, oh, at 7am, I do my breathing. It's more like after I get up, I brush my teeth or whatever. It's like right after I brush my teeth, then I do my breathing practice. It's like tying it to a anchor in your day. You do every single day so that it's just part of who you are now. It's not like, oh, my alarm went off, but I'm not ready to breathe yet. So I'm just going to skip it today. It's like, no, every day you do X. So every day you breathe, uh, Mm -hmm. that makes it easier. And like making it small, like one minute instead of Mm -hmm. 30 minutes, you know, just do something, make it tiny enough so that you can always do it. uh, Even on days you don't feel like it, even when you have no motivation, it's like, well, it's just one breath. I can do one breath. I'm going to close my eyes, do one breath. And then, you know, you did it. But the thing I tell in this one, I do tell people what's like, my clients, everyone's like, focus on joy. Like this is for you. It's not for anyone else. It's not because a podcast told you to like, of course, this may be inspiring you, but like, it is literally your practice is for you to be a better person and be happier and, and calmer. So like whatever you have to do to make it fun for yourself, to make it joyful so that you look forward to it, just like you would eating ice cream, like do that. Like if it's putting on music, if it's lighting a candle, if it's walking, whatever you have to do to make it like fun for yourself, because this shouldn't be a, a, like a, it shouldn't be a burden. Like it's, you're taking time for yourself to nourish the best in you and like just cherish the fact that you can do that. And like, so I'm, I'm a huge fan of like something to bring joy for me. It's like, I like, I'd love getting up super early to do it. So it's like, it's joyful for me to like be up at the crack of dawn with my music on and I just like, I love it. It's just part of who I am now. And so I don't, I never l- n- don't look forward to it. Like mm-hmm. it's almost always something some days, you know, I'm just like tired, but like most of the time I'm excited about it because it's fun for me. So focus on joy. That'll be my, yes. my answer, final answer.
0: <laughs> That's beautiful. That's what time do you get up in the morning to do
1: Oh, I'm usually up. Between 3.50 and 4 a.m.
0: Wow. Wait, what time do you go to sleep? I'm curious.
1: About 8. Yeah. Okay. Right around eight. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I still get my, you know, eight hours With in your bed, four-year-old daughter. Yeah, exactly. I go time. to bed at the same time she does. And then I wake up way earlier than her and yeah. uh, before all my family. So I can have uh, complete peace yeah. and quiet
0: very nice amazing yeah. what is the best advice that you've ever been given
1: that still holds that's up? that's that's a great question and uh i don't know uh other than you know i read a lot of books and so most it depends on where i'm at in life but mm. like hearing the right thing at the right time but yeah. one thing that i've and you'll probably not be surprised by this at all but one thing uh is to laugh at myself. Like I've heard that again and again from different people and teachers. And it's like, even like Buddhist monks, you just see, they're always laughing and happy and to not take things so seriously. And there was a one quote, and I can't remember the author now, but it was, they said like, one thing I've learned is to take your work seriously, but don't take yourself seriously. It's something along those lines. And it was like, taking what I do, my passion, all that really serious, but then like just laughing at myself and how ridiculous I am that I'm obsessed with breathing. Like, it's just like, and seeing how like from an outside, how comical that is and things (laughs) like that. So I just uh, try to keep humor that that's probably the life lesson I've learned and the advice I've been, I've read the most to just laugh at myself and like, yeah, that's part yeah, well, about
0: it. You embody that, Nick. You embody well, that. I, I listen to your podcast as well. And I love your, what you send out every week, like super insightful. And now talking to you live, um, you really do embody that joy and that laughter. So well,
1: thanks thank you for that. For sure. So awesome.
0: going to um to books, I know you read a lot. Well, what is, um what was or is the most influential book that you've read so far?
1: Um. That's that's a hard one. Again, it depends on <laughs> where I'm at in life, right? Yeah, I read lots. Mm. But I will say there's a recency bias here, and that's always gonna be the case. That's how the brain works. But like recently, that the book, The Well Lived Life, mm. just hit me like a freight train. This. So she's a 102-year-old doctor, Gladys yeah. McGarry. Mm-hmm. And you can just it's like you can feel her wisdom in the words, like. You, know, you just feel it, you know, you understand she is speaking from such experience and like, it's like love coming through the, you know, I actually listened to it, but like, yeah. you just feel it. And so it's a, it's a really powerful book for like, just being a better person and living a, a well-lived life, right? Yeah. There's a few things that I'm like, that's oh, not my style, but like overall, like the message is just wonderful. And it's like a, a, a real like inspiring book to read. So I'd say as of right now, that one's really resonating with me. Um, from like a practical standpoint, a book I read like six years ago, it was called "How to Get Better at Almost Everything." which is a horrible title. It sounds so cheesy, but it was a really good book and I, it really changed the way I looked at everything. So I'll just throw that one out there. Uh,
0: Amazing. A, well, like the, well of, the well lived a life. I was like, Oh, I just heard that recently. And it was on your podcast. Yeah. <laughs> That's where I heard
1: it. It's recent. So I've been talking about it a lot. I'm <laughs> yes. upset. You'll get a few more uh, in the, in the week.
0: Yeah. So, I love it. I love it. So what are your top three non-negotiable self-care habits?
1: Breathing, of course. Mm -hmm. So my my morning breathing practice, whether it's actual breathing or just mindfulness of my breath or meditation, whatever it is, just some sort of self-care breath.
0: How long Um, do you do it for?
1: About 25 minutes every morning, Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes a little more. um, But that's like about and that incorporates like a a gratitude, a little bit of like I guess prayer would be the right word. Um, Mm -hmm. Just gratitude is probably the best word uh, in afterwards. So it's kind of like 20 minutes of breathing plus five minutes of me cultivating gratitude for the things I've been lucky enough to have. So so that's the breath. Reading and walking are like things I I have to do every day, of course, like sleep and I try to eat no processed foods and things like that. But like those are the things that bring me like life. Like mm-hmm. when I read a good book or go for a long walk, it's like, yeah, real life changing for me.
0: Yes. I love it too. I started doing about 20 minutes um, breathing with my drum. So I'm playing my okay. drum.
1: Yeah. Oh, nice. it's,
0: yeah. It's super cool. Listening to sort of tribal shamanic music and it's there you like go. breathing in and out. And yeah, at first it was tough to do the breathing and to do the drumming because obviously you're doing two different things. But now sort of my mind got uh, is getting used to it yeah
1: it's amazing so you see you just found what works for you you found yes. your joy it exactly. brings me joy hearing it so amazing exactly
0: yes um super cool so this is the, the last question i promise um but i could talk to you forever <laughs>
1: likewise this is oh fun.
0: thank you what is your legacy what do you want to be known for
1: that's such a hard one um i so I, yeah i thought about this i th- you know, obviously that like breath is life, like some way of understanding, like that I can impart wisdom on people of of just how cool it is that we're breathing and that like we can change it. We've been given the gift of changing our breath and it controls everything. And it can just bring you like this sense of peace Mm -hmm. and gratitude. So that's like one, but really the biggest legacy of mine, and I hope, and you actually mentioned it earlier. So thank you. Is like, I want my life to be my message like i want to live the things i talk about um and of course i'll never be perfect and i'll never Mm. do it exactly but like yeah just be be a person who lives these things so that like my life serves as my example like gandhi says like all the great teachers say right just like trying to be like them like try to find someone you like and, and be a good person and so i just hope that like the way i live my life serves as my message that i can when I meet people at the grocery store and I, I'm nice to them, you know, I'm nice to people, anyone I meet and then I'm just, a, you know, uh, mm-hmm. help people. So that's my hope. Uh, I don't have it clear cut. I've never written it down, but that's my legacy. <laughs>
0: that's beautiful. Oh, that's beautiful. That's actually, here's a quick question for you. If you are at the grocery line or anywhere really, and you hear the, ne- the person next to you breathing so hard, how do you stop yourself from saying, Hey, you know, I'm a functional breathing coach. and?
1: <laughs> well, you know, what's funny. I think I've, <laughs> I've written something about that somewhere. Uh, Yeah. I've just become over the years, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I've become such a fan of the, what's, what's the saying? Like if everyone sweeps their own door, the world will be clean. So Mm -hmm. I just, I honestly, most people would never even know. I know anyone who like probably no one in my neighborhood would know. I teach breathing. Like Mm -hmm. I I don't talk about it. I just try to embody it. Like I think if I'm kind in to them and I'm thoughtful and I pay attention to them, That is a breathing coach, not, you know, telling them how to breathe. So, uh, so I've actually taught myself not to care anymore, Mm -hmm. Um, but I hear it, of course, right? You're still human. So I'm like, oh, do you know? So I still, it still crosses my mind. Like, oh, they only knew you could nasal breathe and Mm -hmm, you could help. But, uh, but I just decide, oh, well, it's up to me to just be a good example, breathe well, and hopefully change someone
0: so. i like that i love that I, I i need to embody that a little bit more in 2024 because I, I tend to tell almost everyone you're right and, uh, you know not everyone's ready to hear and not, not everyone's ready to embark on it, especially my family so yes i need to embody more of that where i kind of do my own business and really yeah, all the we,
1: talk never tell your family they I will know, never trust you i know no, so. that's the last people to trust you is your own family <laughs>
0: Well they have it, done my breath work experience which oh, most of my family which is amazing and my dad had uh, open heart surgery and obviously the post mm, was all about um breathing and 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 doing that and he took really like he yeah he really embodied that in terms of breathing techniques so that was good and actually his recovery the the doctor was amazed on how fast he recovered and so he's, he said oh i'm sure it's something that your daughter has been telling you about breathing and of course eating as well so that uh, that that was really really satisfying for sure gratifying for me to see my dad take on some of these techniques
1: Amazing. Yeah. Congratulations. And that's Thank great you. to hear. Yeah, that's Thank awesome. You.
0: But you're right. For the most part, it's very difficult. and <laughs> I've been trying my friends to try this, uh, the breathwork to uh, experience and it's been years now. So hopefully this year something will will change for sure. <laughs> yeah. So tell us, how can people connect with you? I know you have an yeah. amazing uh, mailing list um, that goes out um, every single week. So, yes, tell us.
1: Yeah, that's that's probably. The, I mean, I'm on Instagram the mm-hmm. breath, at the breathing diabetic. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, my newsletter is if you go to thebreathingdiabetic.com, dot com, you'll see it's called the breathing four one one, but it's right there. It's it. every Monday. Uh, wow. Yeah, it's hopefully just a fun way to read some wisdom and yeah. and be hopefully like again. I try to embody through the words happiness and just you know acceptance of people. So uh, hopefully that. But yeah. I also I do want to make a plug. There's the the breathing app for diabetes. If anyone has diabetes, it is now like live. I think it's only in the United States, but if you put in TBA for diabetes, um, Mm -hmm. we have, I I got very fortunate to connect with Eddie Stern, who's a yoga instructor. And we uh, collaborated with their team at the breathing app to make the breathing app for diabetes. And so Mm -hmm. it's a 28 day program plus extras and, uh, it's it's really neat. So if you're in, if you have diabetes, you want to lower stress levels. That's kind of a, a, a cool way to do it. So, Amazing. but yeah, but the, the breathing 411 is the best place if you want to just get some wisdom and uh, it's all free and everything.
0: Mm-hmm. beautiful amazing wisdom amazing insights and it's, it's such a pleasure to to listen to because you're always super happy exactly how you have been in this podcast so thank well, you so much for taking the time making space for my community and sharing your amazing knowledge on the science behind everything that we spoke about some of your personal techniques and really thank you for being such a beautiful beacon of light for all oh, of us
1: thank you and likewise i appreciate your time and having me on
0: thank you Thank you from the bottom of my heart for taking part of your day and sharing it with me by listening to this amazing podcast episode. I would also like to thank our sponsors, St. Lucian Seamoss. Check them out and get some awesome CMOS at www.StLucianSeamoss.co. If you enjoyed this podcast and it was helpful, please share it with your loved ones or a friend and check out SavoyaSelfCare.com for more amazing wellness tips. Please also leave us a rating now on Apple Podcasts. Take a screenshot and send it to info at Savoyaselfcare.com. We will reply with a gift as a grateful thank you. If you want to upgrade your healthy living and take it to the next level, be sure to join us next week. And remember, self-care is not selfish. It's self-love. Ciao for now.